It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. The Pipe Bomb Radio Network proudly presents Pipe Bomb Radio, the show with the freshest insight, interviews, and opinions on the world of professional wrestling. With your host, El Jefe, Felix Oledo, the Godfather, Nate Milton, Godfather's in the house. and the Aztec Warrior, Alex Cruz. I'm an Aztec Warrior! So sit back and relax, because Pipe Bomb Radio goes live now. It's showtime, folks! Welcome, everybody, to a very special edition of Pipe Bomb Radio tonight. Well, today, really. I mean, <clears throat> sunlight is still out. So <laughs> Alex is actually on assignment this week. He's not going to be in joining us this week. But we do have a special guest returning to the show, a uh, legend, if you will, in the wrestling industry who has worked with some of the biggest names in the wrestling industry. He joined us just a couple of years ago. And, well, folks, He's back. Who am I talking about? Well, they gave him the nickname Killer Ken, but his name is Mr. Ken Resnick, and he will be joining us here in just a bit. I will be contacting him, and Nate will be joining me here in just a few minutes. But in the meantime, we we have a lot to talk about. We have the uh, Hell in the Cell that just happened over the weekend. Uh, Some would say it's an upset. I'm not sure. I wasn't. Uh, I was impressed with the um, two Hell in a Cell matches. The aftermath of uh, Shane versus Kevin. Yeah, that was interesting. But um, well, let's talk about that real quick here before, while we wait for Nate to come in. Well, from what I see here, the recap of the show is showing basically the return. Uh, well, not even a return. It's actually the uh, – we talk about the uh, – now I'm stumbling, stumbling over my words. But the kickoff show, I'm not really sure what to make of Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin. I really – I feel like they're trying to recreate something there. The hype bros, I feel like this is going to be a split between these two. Ultimately uh, – 
Chad Gable and Benjamin won the match. What really impressed me was the the Hell in the Cell between the tag team for the tag team championship with the Usos and the New Day. Although the Usos did reclaim, reclaim the titles, I don't think anybody was uh, disappointed in the match. It was something for the ages for tag team wrestling for sure. They stepped it up to a whole new level. Randy Orton and Rusev, I think they just that was just a filler match to be honest. I feel like they just had that rivalry put together just, just for kicks. So, if anything, just to help elevate Rusev to a new level, if it's even possible. I mean, I'll be honest, Rusev hasn't really been relevant, I want to say, since 2015, maybe. We'll see. We'll see where it goes from here. United States title matchup champion AJ Styles defending against Ty Dillinger and Baron Corbin. I like the fact that they gave the title and put it on Baron Corbin so they can allow AJ Styles to focus on the world title picture, as I feel like that's where he belongs. The Women's Championship. I believe it is definitely Chapter 1. Well, maybe Chapter 2, considering their rivalry back in NXT. But this is not over. Natty and, and Charlotte have been beefing for years. And I think that we have not seen the end of this. I think this will definitely take it into Survivor Series, possibly Starcade. Jinder Mahal and Shinsuke Nakamura. See, I think they need to quit spoiling the, 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 this particular match because it had the potential to be something good. But they keep killing it. They keep killing any momentum that Nakamura has. Ultimately, what I believe they need to do to him is move, move Shinsuke over to, to Raw. Because as of right now, he's just floundering horribly in SmackDown, just my opinion. Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler. I actually liked this match. Very, very, very good match. Two incredibly talented individuals that uh, definitely could uh, be in the main event picture, but are not. I think, if anything, this is Bobby Roode's test to see if he can hang with the big boys, if you will. Clearly he could, but again, I don't see the point in putting him against Dolph Ziggler because, again, another one who really hasn't been relevant. This guy hasn't been relevant since 2013. He has been kind of flopping around and and, and just hasn't really amounted to much. They haven't had much to do for him, and it's not his fault, really. But that is what it is. The match itself was good. But overall, anyway... (laughs) And then, of course, the Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon match. Falls count anywhere, which to me kind of kills the idea of the whole Hell in a Cell match itself because technically it's supposed to be inside the Hell in a Cell, so they try to make it. But we all know Shane is a he's a daredevil, which ultimately saw a heel turn, but not out of who you thought it would be. It was actually uh, Sami Zayn came in and made his presence very felt. But I digress. The thing that kind of, and I think I can talk with Nate about this when he get, when he joins me, is that I don't know what to think of the heel. I'm not the heel, but the Shield reunion on Monday. And what I think I'll end up doing is holding off on that discussion until after uh, we finish talking with Ken. So what I think I'm going to do. I think I'm going to contact Ken myself right now 
I believe he will be waiting for my call. So let me go ahead and make that call. So bear with me, folks. We're about to call Keeler Ken and go from there. Let's see. Big Felix. Killer Ken, is that you, sir? Uh, well, uh, you got the Killer Ken. I don't know about the sir. <laughs> How you doing, okay, my man? I'll just call you Killer Ken. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing great. Thanks so much for asking. How are you? How's weather good, like good. out there in Minnesota? I, say again? How is the weather? out? Are you in Minnesota? Oh. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's beautiful today, sunny, like kind of upper 50s. I mean, uh, perfect, perfect fall day. You could say that again, because 50s over here in California would probably be really, really cold. Yeah, yeah, the the only bad thing about it <laughs> um, being beautiful and in the upper 50s in Minnesota is you know what's coming next. Oh, yeah. I believe it's It'll, wintertime six months out of the year for you guys out there, isn't it? Yeah, well, uh, five months. I, I always say the, the Twin Cities <laughs> in Minnesota is one of the finest places to live April through October. No, November through March, forget about it. <laughs> oh, geez. No, I totally understand. Totally understand. So, so just out of curiosity, just to get the ball rolling here, I mean, have you been do you do you still travel to a lot of these wrestling conventions from time to time? Do you still kind of follow uh the the world of uh sports entertainment, wink wink pro wrestling? Um I I I really haven't been to any of the conventions. I guess I'm not quite that big enough of a draw. Um but you know, oh, I gosh. I still I still follow it um as, as best I can. Uh although, you know, Last night, you know, normally on Monday nights, I'll try and peek into Raw, you know, a little bit. But considering it was the Vikings and the Bears last night, I, I was, oh, strictly, that's true. was strictly a football guy last night. Gotcha. No, 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 I got you. I got you because I know, I think at one point in the last, I want to say 30, 40, maybe 50 years, Football has really been the one that has reigned supreme, except for the good short period of time let's say maybe a year, two years or so that, that wrestling was at its, I mean, white hot where it was surpassing football for a while. So yeah, I can uh, see definitely the, the Mondays are hard to compete when it comes to wrestling and football. Yeah. Um, you know, and especially, uh, you know, being a, a, a Minnesotan when the, the Vikings are on and certainly they're, they're probably two biggest rivals are, you know, the Vikings and the Packers and then the Vikings and the bears. Uh, it was, pretty much uh no contest last night what i was going to watch and i i dare say that would be the case with uh uh most minnesotans and 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 you're right um 
the way the the business has has changed over the years it's it's just mm-hmm. hard for wrestling to to compete with Monday night football um especially yeah. when it's kind of a, a a marquee matchup and you know records aside Vikings and Bears Viking Packers uh you know those kind of rivalry games i think you know gain more national attention ah uh, no no that's true that's true but knowing Vince McMahon i'm sure as you do and you what you do recall he is a competitive son of a gun who he he will just strive to try to continue to compete with football in any way he possibly can. He might even try to compete with UFC at one point, but I don't know. Um, I mean, there's, is there any way for wrestling to actually be at, it, at its peak again down in the future, you think? You know, the the fact that the kayfabe era is oh, that's over. Dead. Long um, dead. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't think – so, because everyone now has acknowledged it's, it's predetermined. Um, yeah. And with with that in mind, you know, even way back, you know, in, in the 80s and, and 90s when, when I was, you know, heavily involved, um, mm-hmm. I mean, first off, you, you, you never – talked about it not even with with close friends um and back then i would have close friends um and i had a lot of close friends that were professional athletes uh that played for the vikings played for the twins and were wrestling fans and you know would say to me you know i come on i you know i know this isn't real Right, there there was sure. always that link. I mean, some people were, as we call them, true believers that that the thought of it mm-hmm. being predetermined or punches being pulled was unthinkable. But even in the 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 people that said, "Look, we, we know, you know, it it it's it's not real," there was still that lingering doubt, and you know that's all gone. Um, and I think that, and, you know, plus the spontaneity is, is, is gone out of it. Um, especially on television, a lot of it has become so predictable. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I agree. I I mean, it's still great entertainment. Do you remember my uh, tag team partner that I had on the show a few years back, uh, Nate Milton, that I had on here with me when we had you on the last time? Oh, Nate, sure, I remember Nate and and Austin. You know, I mean, I might be getting a little older, but, God, I'm not getting senile. No, no. I just wanted to reintroduce <laughs> you back to my old my old tag team partner here, Nate Milton, who has joined the joined the phone call. Oh, here. Nate. Oh, Nate, okay. And now we're not we haven't started taping this yet, right? I don't know. We're we're, we're recording. Oh, okay. I, 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 I'm okay. I, shoot. I, I would have been maybe been a, a little more guarded. Of course, I remember uh, Nate, and I was Austin there oh, too. Okay. Huh? No, it's just myself and Nate now. Oh, okay. Um. Well, that's Nate. How are you, bud? 
I'm doing great, sir. It is a, a pleasure to talk to you again. Oh. Uh, you know, I apologize for my lateness, but I figured since your Vikings won, you'd probably be in a good mood, so you wouldn't mind. No, hey, though, I, listen, <laughs> you know, listen, Nate, I'm, I, I, I'm counting on your help because, I, I mean, I, I've been feeling the, the, the pressure of one, you know, last time I. Uh, I, I was able to make it into the top 15 of, of Pipe Bomb Radio, w- which is no small accomplishment. But now having to, you know, I'm, I'm worried whether I can even come close to, to that kind of, of repeat. And now, as you know, having to, to deal with the new lean, mean Felix machine is just that tougher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I, well, I, I think uh, it's it's a tough task. It's it's a daunting task. But if if anybody is up to the challenge, it, it would be one killer, Ken Resnick. Hey, hey, you know, a lot of people that I mentioned I was going to be on and said, you know, hey, you know, you were on there once. You you made the top fifteen. You know, you know, you you just stay with that. You know, don't 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 you know <laughs> risk falling flat on your face and then. Others quit, said, quit while you look at you look at Felix now, and he's now lean and meaner. That it's going to be just that much tougher. So you know, Nate, I might need your help here. Hey, I, I've got your back, sir. I've got your back. <laughs> um, what, what, well, you know I, what? I just picked up the uh, real quick, Felix. Cause I was picking up the tail end of the conversation yeah, yeah. that you and Ken were having about kind of how the business mm-hmm. has changed and how the the fans' perception of the business has changed. And one of the things that I really wanted to get Ken's opinion on, because I went back and listened to our, our previous conversation and uh, you know, a lot of things have changed since the time that we just talked, you know, the last time. And I was wondering about the role of the announcer because, you know, we recently lost uh, Lance Russell, who was one of my favorites. Uh, And you think about people like Lance, people like Jim Ross, Gordon Soley, of course yourself, Ken. and, And it felt like, a different style. Like I, I don't want to. I don't want to sound too old fashioned, but it kind of felt like the days where you could turn on the nightly news and trust the newsman, and and that's how commentators and announcers felt back in the day. And I'm wondering if if it's a bit of a lost art. Not to say that today's play-by-play guys aren't good, but it, it feels very different than from you know the style that you guys were doing back in the day. Well, I I, you can I, say I that, think though. you're, you're exactly right, Nate, but there's kind of two different aspects. And I have said that, and I know some people criticize, you know, I'm still a fan of Michael Cole in that back when I was doing AWA and and, and WWF, and I I did a lot more play-by-play in in AWA and then again in the LPWA, once we started, my real – only job was play by play. Now I can just imagine how many things, you know, in the pre-production that Michael Cole has to make sure he works in during the body of a match where he's, you know, has play by play responsibility, but almost more so he's got to hit this event or this storyline or talk about what's coming next. And, when you have someone reminding you or have all that laid out, you you can't put your full focus on the match. And I know one thing that 
drives me crazy being old school. And I see it not only in, in wrestling, but in all pro sports where the play-by-play uh, announcers will kind of ignore w- what's happening, you know, in the ring or on the field or on the ice or on the court and start talking with their analysts about something completely different. Yes. And, and, and yep. I say to myself, you know, from a, a, a production standpoint, don't, don't you think that if what's happening right in front of you isn't interesting enough to keep your focus, why should anyone at home be interested in watching it? So that's one thing that that drives me crazy, but I'm also very cognizant about he has all these things he has to make sure he works in. Uh, So I'm probably a little more sympathetic from from that standpoint because I I can remember when I would do play-by-play for the AWA, when the match starts, I had nothing to do but call the match until the the match was over. Sometimes the producer would say, throw to a commercial or throw to this, but that was all. And now they have mm. so many different things. And to your other point, Nate, I, certainly the, the interviews are a, a, a completely lost art. And, you know, from the thousands I did, with great talent and great talkers and, and, and less talent and talkers. The, the vast majority, well over 95%, was extemporaneous. You know, we would know mm. basically what the match is, what city it was going to be in. And, you know, we might say, you know, you know anything special you want to do, no, you, you know, I'll do this, and you go. But when we started taping, the vast majority of it w- was extemporaneous and, and it went where it went. On the rare times, it, it wasn't very good. We might do it over, but that was certainly the exception rather than the rule. And and now you watch, and you can tell it, it's so scripted. And on the rare times that, you know, WWE now, you know, uses someone backstage, if you will, they kind of set it up and then the talent comes in and does everything. The talent walks away and then they have a shot of the announcer just standing there like they're, they're glazed over and, and half the time mm. not even reacting to anything. Uh, and I also think that with a lot of the, the interviews and, and even those that are done without announcers, you know, in ring, that they are so schooled in what they have to say, they're as busy trying to remember what they have to say than what they're saying at the time. And and just the, the passion that I used to see seemingly has, has gone out of it. Uh, yeah. And also when I mentioned a lot of it is predictable when they have a talent you know in the ring talking about whatever you can see a lot of the fans that are in the building 
they're looking back towards the entrance way because they know someone else is coming out. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, it, it's it, it's the 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 spontaneity and and the surprise of it is, is gone. And I, I mean, I, I still look back and the 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 production strides that have taken place in the business even back when I was with WWF to the WWE today is, is, is just amazing. But at the same time, I, I think to a large degree, some of the problem is that WWE is not so much in the wrestling business anymore as in the television production business mm. i mean if if you think about how many live hours and new hours of television they produce a week not only you know the 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 five hours on on usa but everything they do for the wwe network i mean yeah it, it's they are one of the largest production companies in the country but I think the focus is become more on the the production than than the the wrestling business, and, and one of the things that bothers me a little bit, especially on television. I remember one night, you know, a number of months ago, I, I watched Raw. It, it was probably before Monday Night Football regular season, but I remember <laughs> within the three hours there were. Three matches that ended with some mm-hmm. sort of outside interference, and yeah. it, it's like that's become the the default position in in talent and and the writers' eyes thinking. Well, if we do it that way, we we don't really beat anybody. We're not going to hurt a, a, a character. But you know, back in the day, outside interference was the absolute exception and it was generally to either you know start a new angle or storyline or start a, a, a turn and now it's just kind of yeah okay another outside interference uh let's go to commercial um mm. so i i those are things that 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 i notice and and the the other thing that i i see watching raw is that sometimes in about they'll have like two different commercial breaks. Yeah. And then, you know, they come back and it's like you go, so, I mean, anybody that even longtime fans that are just fans have no knowledge of the the inside of the business. It's like, so in these commercial breaks, you know nothing's going to happen. You know, I, I mean, uh, they, what, and if you're a viewer at home, what does somebody do? Just put an arm bar on and hold it for the four and a half minutes they're gone? <laughs> you know, so it, it, yeah. those kind of things, it, it, it's like if you go to a movie, you know it's a movie, but you want to be so engrossed that you kind of forget that and, and you know, su- suspend you know, your your real view because you're so engrossed in it. Well, when there's a great even main event and you're in it and all of a sudden, okay, we'll be right back after this. Yeah, it, it's like 
it's kind of tough to believe in something when it's interrupted by all these commercials. For sure. You know, uh, Ken, I actually wanted to kind of go off on a side note here because I know we, we, uh, we had talked about this briefly uh, when we were parting ways uh, on the last show, but with the recent passing of uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan and just the overall aspect of managers in general, why, why do you feel like, I mean, in your opinion, do you feel like managers just kind of worked better back in the era of, let's just say, the 80s, the 70s, the 90s, as opposed to now when you, you see basically only, well, you'll see a Paul Heyman who basically is not a manager, but I guess he's a manager type. Sure. And at one point you had, seen, you had seen Dutch Mantel who was out in the manager position at one point as well. But why do you think that that worked so well back in, that, in those days as opposed to now when there are guys who clearly need that guidance because they're still struggling on the mic? Well, I, I think part that of sense? it – Oh, absolutely, and I, I think part of it, well, Felix, you always make sense, uh, despite what Nate said. <laughs> uh, but, but I think a big reason back then was, as we, we've talked about, the spontaneity. Um, and in yeah. my mind, and I was so privileged to work with Bobby in, in the AWA and the the WWF. I mean, his wit, it was just, it was everybody else. And then above it all was Bobby. And I can attest to, you know, between the two, probably maybe a thousand interviews I did with Bobby. They were never rehearsed. We just Hmm. started and, you know, in the AWA, Bobby and, and Nick played were, were so different and, and played off one another so well. And I also think part of it was back then the, the business wasn't, you know, maybe this isn't the best word, but wasn't as, as cutthroat that I think mm. – Everybody back then understood whatever they could do to make the business better helped everyone else. And when I was thinking and talking to people about Bobby's passing, I said, I don't think there has ever been anyone in wrestling that sold more tickets for other people than Bobby Heenan. I mean, Bobby had Mm. the unique ability to not only put over whoever he was managing, but also put over the opponent about, you know, he could talk about a match pretend like he wasn't at all worried, but made everybody know that he was really worried for his guy to face this man. And I think Mm -hmm. Bobby sold more tickets for matches that he was maybe just going to be at ringside managing than everybody else. And Mm. plus, you know, I was very lucky 
in that in in my time besides Bobby. I, I mean, how lucky was I? I got a chance to work with with Jimmy Hart and Lou Albano and and Freddie Blassie and you know Mr. Fuji, but as good as they were, they did not have the in-ring ability that Bobby mm-hmm. Heenan had. And I think one of the things that's gotten lost in, in, in Bobby, because he was so great as a manager and then so great as an announcer working with Gorilla, that people forget when, when he was in the ring I mean, he would fly around, and, and his ring ability was as good as anyone else's. And people, and, and rightfully so, can, can make a case that there were other managers as good as Bobby, but I would defy any of them to say that any of those managers had the in-ring ability to go with it that Bobby mm. had. That's true. A lot of people put Jim Cornette up in that area or even Paul Heyman or even the other names that you mentioned, but it's it's hard to say because a lot of these guys like a Heyman or even Cornette look to Bobby like a, like an idol, like a, like somebody they wanted to kind of put their uh, put their craft into to compete, be similar to what he was or even come close, even though they feel like maybe they didn't. I mean, Jimmy, obviously Jimmy Cornette idolized Bobby, called him his hero at one point, and I think even Heyman called uh, – Bobby, the Johnny Carson of professional wrestling. Uh, I mean, I hadn't heard that one, but absolutely. And Bobby also, besides the the quick wit, Bobby had a a, a sense of of timing when, Mm. and I remember being at ringside calling matches or just sitting at ringside when Bobby was managing and then the crowd would be getting on him, getting on him, getting on him. And Bobby knew the the exact moment where all he would have to do is turn his head slightly, look at the crowd, and they would just go crazy. I, I mean, and I've heard that. Yeah. And I think Paul Heyman has that same acute sense of timing, everything else aside, that that Bobby has. I mean, when when Paul does his his in ring stuff, his his sense of timing, other than Bobby, is about as, as good as I've ever seen in, in terms of knowing when to be quiet, knowing when to say something, you know, reading the audience. But certainly, Paul didn't have the the uh, in ring talent, and you know, I I don't know that uh, in the in the history of the business that there will ever be a combination of two guys like gorilla and bobby and mm-hmm. i say that because when i was at wwf the you know i had pretty much seen all of the matches that were going to air on prime time and many times they, you know, I did interviews and, and, and you know, they would throw it to, to my interviews. But if, if I was off or home, I would still watch primetime just for the go-between between Bobby and Gorilla. <laughs> you know, I'd already seen the matches. I knew how they end. I, I, you know, I, I did the interviews. I was there. But if I could, I would still watch because those two were so good and played off one another 
so amazing. And, you know, many times, a few times I was at Video One in Baltimore where they, where they taped it. They didn't rehearse anything. They, it was like doing it here. They just started and it, it the magic just happened. <laughs> no doubt. Now, Ken, one of the things I think, maybe one of the biggest differences between wrestling and in particular the WWE now than when we talked to you a couple of years ago has been the prominence of women in the company with the uh, the women's revolution and the May Young Classic and things of that nature and uh, the, the great work that the women have done down in NXT. And I'm wondering, you know, we talked last time about your work with the LPWA and how I thought that was a, that was a promotion that was way ahead of its time. Do you think that if, if something like the LPWA came around today, it would be better received now than it was, you know, in, in the late eighties, early nineties? Oh, I, I don't think there's any, any question because, you know, I was involved enough in the LPWA where I also dealt with, you know, syndicating the show. Uh, because, you know, the, no one back then had, you know, national cable deals. Cable was just kind of in, in its inf- inf- infancy. And mm-hmm. I remember sending tapes out and talking to program directors. And they would say, look, I love the show. The The production is great. You know, the, 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 the contract you offered is, is, is more than fair to the station. But... I just can't put a show on where women are beating up other women. Mm. And, and, you know, and, and I had, you know, no problem with that. The, you know, the, the 80s and 90s w- w- was a different time. But I don't think that would be at all an issue um, today the way it was back then. And I remember some stations saying, we'd love the show, here's a time slot, you know, everything's good, I just got to, you know, uh, talk with the program directors, and they say, I got to just, you know, sit down with my station manager, but I think we can put this together. And they would call back and say, I ran it by my station manager, and he would say, no way we're putting on women fighting women. So mm. that was a part of it, but, you know, the LPWA was really the the, the first promotion to – feature women's wrestling but other than the fact that it was women they treated the same the business the same way as if it was men yes yes um and you know you're right if that had come along you know eight to to ten years later um uh, it, it did good numbers where it was on i mean we were on madison square garden network and and did very good numbers um, but it was hard in that back then so much of the television was done, you know, on a barter system, we'll give you the show and then you can have half the ad time and we'll take half the, 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 mm. the problem back then was just women wrestling was, it was hard to draw large numbers for house shows. Mm. And uh, that was one of the other financial hurdles. And I, I don't know, especially, you know, you look at the success that, that Ronda Rousey had, uh, you know, yeah. in UFC. 
I, I think that would also not be a problem today. I mean, you know, you look at it, it, it how sometimes the women bouts uh, on UFC are, are featured, and you look at the tremendous success in, in the crowds that the WNBA draws or, you know, women's yes. soccer league. But back then it, it was hard to draw large, you know, numbers for house shows. Mm. Okay. I do want to bring up another familiar name, Ken, that we talked about uh, in our last discussion that uh, I, I have to say, you, you did promise me a story, so I definitely hope that you can definitely provide <laughs> me that story, and that's on uh, the one and only Sherry Martell, one of uh, my other favorite people in the whole world. That I, I definitely got to see her induction into the Hall of Fame, but sadly I never got the chance to meet her, but know her son Jared actually really good. He's a good friend mm. of mine. And... Um, if you have a story or two, please, 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 I would love to hear one. Uh, she was she was Jerry another great was, manager that uh, that could get physical. I, I say again, and man, very I'm loud. I, I was just saying she was another uh, great manager, much like uh, the brain that that could get physical as well. Oh, oh, I, I mean, <clears throat> Sherry, you're a hundred percent right. In the ring, they didn't come any tougher than Sherry Martell. Out of the ring, a lot like Bobby, she was, she was as sweet uh, of a person as you could meet, uh, and it was fun. You know, I got to know Sherry. In fact, when when she was in the AWA, uh, she didn't live that far from me. And about once a month, there was a a restaurant. I think it was on Tuesday nights that had this great special on chopped sirloin steak and about once a month we would meet because it was kind of equidistant and I remember mentioning it to her and and, and we started going and would generally go uh, once a month and and just the 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 kindness uh, and and sweetness that that was Sherry Martell I always used to say she loved people like no one else and almost as much as she loved her husky um, she sure loved her dog, but the the story I was referring to uh, was happened in Winnipeg, Canada, and she was wrestling. I think it was Candy Divine, <clears throat> and I was doing play by play, and Nick Bockwinkle was doing color with me, and we were the announce table was butted right up next to the ring in in Winnipeg. Oh no. And had never talked about this. <clears throat> I didn't know. Sherry came in, Candy came in, and the referee, you know, they don't really do it much today. But back then it was kind of standard practice where the ref would go over and pat down, checking to make sure there were no yeah. foreign objects <laughs> hidden. Sure. And he patted Candy down, and <clears throat> then he went over to pat down Sherry. And she ab- – she, Absolutely refused. Ran to the other corner. And he went over, tried again, and she pushed him away and, you know, wouldn't allow him to pat her down. And, you know, I'm thinking it, you know, this was some new gimmick she had come up with or whatever, and Nick and I are kind of talking about it back and forth, but not really understanding it. 
because usually in the when I was doing play by play, even then I really didn't. All I wanted to know was if there was something really unusual that was going to be taking place. Otherwise, yeah. I really didn't know, didn't want to know what the outcome was because I always felt it would take away from the spontaneity. You know, and I'd said to Canyon, no, no, nothing. Okay, fine. And this is going on for about two minutes. And then finally the, the referee says, if you don't let me pat you down, I'm throwing the match out, you're disqualified. And suddenly Sherry says, you're not touching me. Here, Ken will pat me down. And she literally uh. climbs out of the ring, stands up on the announce table, pulls me up and says, here, you pat me down. <laughs> Which I did. And Nick is just laughing hysterically. And I pat her down. And now she just turns satisfied, gets back in the ring. And the referee's got this, like, dazed look on his face. <laughs> <laughs> but finally starts the match, and I, you know, sit back down, and Nick is laughing and just says to me, well, that's one I've never seen before. <laughs> and afterwards, I went into Sherry, and I said, what the hell was that all about? She said, I hate that guy. He wasn't going to touch me, and I like oh, you. And uh, the, <laughs> the photographer at the arena <laughs> caught that photo and gave it to me. It's a eight by 10 black and white of Sherry Martell outside the ring, standing up on the announce table and me <laughs> patting her down. Oh my gosh. Uh, and it, it's certainly, you know, one of my all time favorite photos. Uh, but she, again, um, you know, after I had left uh, WWF, it was a, a few years later, and it was in. I happened to be in Washington D.C. for whatever reason, and found out they had a show. So I, you know, went to the arena, and everybody knew me. I got back in, and you know, I was backstage talking to a few people. And this was when she was doing her scary Sherry, you know, managing gimmick. Oh my goodness! Uh, and I mean, she like spotted me in came running from like 50 yards away with, with <laughs> the biggest yes. hug. But, I mean, that was the real For Sherry sure. Martell. And she just, it, it, if she felt you were her friend, she just loved you. Mm. I have heard that. I have okay. heard that. Her son yeah. said that she was genuine to the T, and, I mean, her character was her character, but outside the ring, heart of gold and just loved her inner circle and the people that were her, her, her around her at all times. And that was definitely, yeah, a good story. I definitely appreciate you sharing that with us, Ken. Uh, yeah, she was, you know, a sweetheart certainly had, you know, her, her issues. Um, and I, I, I often think that people love her, so much that maybe they didn't want to get tough and say, you know, you've got to mm. straighten up here. Uh, but yeah. she was, um, I, I guess, talking about Sherry and Bobby, the, the one thing you could say was that anyone that 
had the privilege of getting to know them outside of their character or away from the business just loved them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I'm just privileged you know, enough to actually say I got about, to meet Bobby. Uh, talking about and the way it, it was such a cruel irony where someone was such an amazing talker uh, that yeah. Bobby had to, to deal with, with what he did. Uh, but a, another side, um, there was no bigger prankster than Bobby Heenan. And, and I, you know, I want to clarify, not any sort of malicious, but boy, if he could pull a rib or a prank on you, he would, <laughs> there was nothing that made him happier. And I think everyone <laughs> fell victim somewhere along the line to a Heenan prank. I was going to say, did he ever get you? you know, <laughs> uh, oh, I'm sure he's gotten canned a few times. Nate, he got <laughs> me a, as good as anybody. Uh, we were, it was in WWF, we were in Pittsburgh. And remember, back then, we did interviews for every individual market. You know, we might do the same kind of interview about a match seven times because it once it was for New York, once it was for Boston, once Chicago, once Salt Lake, once Los Angeles. So when we would do interviews before the shows, I mean, a lot of times, you know, if it was a 7 o'clock show, we might start interviews at – 12:30 and go right up because sometimes we had like 85 interviews to do. So, I was in Pittsburgh and generally they would, you know, there would always be an agent there that would kind of run the interviews, have the rundown, you know, make sure every interview was okay and you know, a production person because it had to be you know, either a minute 54 or 254 exactly. If it went a minute 56, you had to do it over. Uh, And whoever the agent was coming, um, and it it might have been, I forget who the agent was, but generally Howard Finkel was there. He would always have the rundown of the interviews that that had to be done, but they would send them to me, but it was generally Howard that always had the rundown. And his plane or whatever was held up and he wasn't going to be there for a few hours. And I had left my copy of the rundown in my hotel room. And, you know, we were already at the arena and, you know, the agent might've been Tony Gurria saying, you know, we got to get to the rundown. We got to get started. So we're trying to figure out who was still at the hotel that hadn't come down. And Bobby's guys hadn't got there so I thought well maybe Bobby's still at the hotel so I call Bobby and get his room and he's still there and I tell him you know what happened that I I need the rundown and where it is in my room and then I call the desk tell him who I am that they need to let you know Bobby give Bobby a key so Bobby goes in gets a rundown brings it to the arena and gives it to me and I say okay just tell me, what did you do to my room? 
I mean, I'm thinking of all the guys in the entire WWF roster of production, the last guy in the world you would want in your room alone is Bobby Heenan. And he swears up and down. He said, look, I, you know, I, I love pulling pranks, but I wouldn't do it. I was just, you know, it, it, it's not right. I wouldn't do it. And he's sticking to that story and sticking to that story and sticking to that story. And the whole day, the whole night, I'm wondering what he did. Matches in. We get back to the hotel. We're going to go down to the bar and have a drink. And I go to my room. And Felix and Nate, I got to I mean, I put the key in, open the door, and I'm pushing the door in like one inch at a time. I don't know if there's a bucket <laughs> above the door, whatever. I finally get in the room. Okay. And I mean, I'm. I, I I look everywhere in the bathroom, in the under the bed. I pull out all the drawers. I check my suitcase, and everything appears untouched. And I mean, I go through everything. So I go up to the bar. I see Bobby. I said, "All right, I'm by. I'll buy this one. You really didn't do it." He said, "Come on, I told you I wouldn't. You know, if I could do something, not I wouldn't do it in that situation." But so I end up going back to my room. We got a flight the next morning. Take my contacts out. Pull the bedspread back. Get in the bed. Scream at the top of my lungs. Heenan! And I can hear him laughing outside the door. You know what he did? He went to the restaurant oh, and got like two or three salt shakers. Pulled the bed back. Bedspread the sheets and just line the white sheets completely with salt. Oh. So something he knew I wouldn't find till the very end of the night. But he followed me out of the bar back to my room and was hanging on outside the door waiting for me to climb in bed and find all that salt. So again... Not nothing, but not malicious. But what I had to do was end up sleeping on top of the bedspread, and then I thought to myself, I can only imagine what the heck the maid is going to be thinking when she goes to make this, you know, change the sheets tomorrow because she's going to pull it off and there's going to be like three salt shakers worth of salt on the floor. Oh my gosh! So, oh yeah, and I, I'll tell you one other Heenan story. He, of all the thousands I did, and I mean, I came close during some interviews to literally biting my lip to keep from laughing. Uh, <clears throat> certainly the, I don't know if you ever saw the Road Warrior Turkey Drumstick interview, but <laughs> Bobby is literally <clears throat> the only one that made me crack up in the middle of an interview when I was laughing so hard I couldn't stop. We had to redo the whole thing. It was back in the AWA. It was around the holidays. And we're doing an interview, and, and Bobby, you know, whether it was Nick wasn't there, but Bobby was doing the interview by himself because whoever he was managing wasn't there, but Bobby was more than capable. You know, that wasn't unusual. <clears throat> so we're going on and on, and he's ranting and raving, and all of a sudden he stops and he goes, oh, jeez. And, you know, I, I don't know if he's in character, so I'm starting to stay in character. I, I said, what, is something wrong? Or maybe you're worried a little bit more about this match and you're willing to let on. He goes, no, no, no. Did you get a Christmas card from me yet? 
and, <laughs> and I go, uh, well, no, as a matter of fact, I did. He just goes, yeah, and you won't either. And that was it. I just, I, and I started laughing so hard I couldn't stop. But I said, Bobby, where did that come from? He said, I don't know. It just popped into my mind. And that's <laughs> the way he was. I mean, he was just, but that's what he said. Yeah, he said, yeah, and you won't either. And that was it. I just cracked up. Oh, man. <laughs> well, I'm he wondering, was, though, um, Tim, if you, if you had gotten the opportunity now, I, Obviously, there's so many things now going on around. Now, not, not saying that you haven't been asked, or maybe you have. I'm not sure. But with there's the, there's the wrestle cage, there's the wrestle con, there's the super con, there's the this con, there's the that con, there's the everywhere a con con. You know, would, <laughs> if asked, would you would you actually go to some of these events? I mean, oh sure. What, what do you think um, about these things? You know, one of the things, and and I've seen. Other talent, uh, I don't want to say mm-hmm. disrespect, uh, <clears throat> maybe ignore fans would, would be better. And I've mm-hmm. never understood that. Uh, you know, as a kid growing up, I mean, I, I had my, you know, sports heroes, not that I'm putting myself in that vein, but I've always taken the attitude that, you know, once we, even today, just being out in Minnesota, sometimes I'll get recognized and somebody will stop me. Um, and I've always taken the attitude that no one stops someone to talk or get a picture or ask for an autograph or just visit if they didn't like or admire or appreciate their work. That if, if yeah, someone, right. and, and I'm sure there's, there, there's plenty that, that think I wasn't very good, if they notice me, they're not going to come up and, and, and stop and, and talk to me. And it, it's like, you know, the, I did do one signing a number of years ago in, in, in Philadelphia. Um, and, you know, I always liked and, and felt, you know, honored when someone would, would stop me or recognize me because if if they didn't appreciate how I tried to sell the business or did interviews or whatever, they would have no interest. I mean, if you see somebody on the street that you know and don't like, you're not going to stop and engage them. So mm-hmm. I've always, you know, felt you know very honored when when someone would stop and and you know remember me. Um, and I, I mean, I certainly, you know, loved wrestling and always considered myself so lucky to, to be able to, to do what I did. Um, and so if wrestling fans are coming to something, I mean, w- w- we have a camaraderie. We both, you know, appreciated and, and loved uh, the business and, and even being in it. You know, I would still stand back and, and appreciate the, the 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 business, you know, skills of a, of a Bobby Heenan or a Sherry Martell or a Hulk Hogan or you know now mm. he's gone, you know, the, the Macho Man or Georgie Animal. That you know, I was lucky enough to be able to appreciate their talents up close, but also privileged mm-hmm. enough to get to know them, you know, away from the business. And I mean, I, I think it's true, 
when, you know, other wrestlers or announcers, when you go to, you know, one of these cons, the only people that are going to come up and, and want a picture or an autograph are, are those that enjoyed the, you know, performance you gave. That, you know, mm. when they were watching it, they enjoyed what you did. So, I mean, I, I, I think it's it, it's great. Um, and, you know, I, I, I remember the, the encounters I had with the sports figures from my childhood that I encountered. And, and some of that memorabilia in those instances are, are still, you know, treasured. So I, I think those, mm. those, those cons, you know, around the country are, are great. Uh, and certainly the, the fans that, that turn out, uh, it gives them a chance to, to interact with, you know, their, the people they admired. Mm. Absolutely. And then, now, Ken, the last time you were on with us, you told us the great story about, uh, you know, when you, when you talked with Vince McMahon and you shaved your mustache. And, and, and that was certainly uh, one of the most memorable things uh, that you talked about with us last time on the show. And obviously, Vince is one of, if not the most influential man in the history of the business. And I'm wondering, there was another guy who, who had some influence on the business who is a fellow AWA uh, alumnus, uh, and that's, uh, one Eric Bischoff, and I'm wondering, did you ever have a chance to interact with Eric during your time in Minnesota? And uh, if so, how was that? And then B, uh, did you see Eric Bischoff, you know, going from that announcer role to, you know, the head of WCW and, and a company that for for a short time was actually beating the WWF? Uh, the the short answer to both of those would be no. Um, <laughs> you know, I I was already gone from the AWA when Eric came in. Um, So I really, I I never met him then. In fact, uh, I think I've really only met Eric once. um, And that was at a show. uh, I think it was the NAPTI, the National Association of Programming Television Executives. Um, And I was out there. Uh, I think this was when I was doing the AWF and Eric was doing WCW and just kind of ran into him at the convention. And, you know, he was certainly cordial and we, you know, visited for, you know, maybe just a, a, a couple minutes. So I, I really, you know, didn't know him. Uh, and like I said, I think that was the, the only, you know, certainly know of him and, and, and what he did with uh, WCW. But that was really my my only encounter. Uh, and, you know, when you talk about the, the influence that, that Vince has had on, on the business, uh, I think one of the reasons he was so successful in the takeover, when he brought WWF nationally, I think Vince was the first one to recognize the power of television, that mm. he put his apples into the TV when, you know, uh, people like, you know, Vern Gagne and Fritz von Erich and, and uh, Don Owens in the individual territories, 
still thought the house shows were the key to revenue. And Vince right. was really the first one to realize, no, it's going to be television. And I think that's one of the reasons he was just smart enough and had the forethought and got so in front of the television end of the business that by the time everyone else realized it, it was a little too late. Yeah, well, you can see that even with the uh, with the network. Like the first couple of years of the network, it had its ups and downs, but now you can see this is the standard going forward. And and you know you got to give a lot of credit to Vince and the people up there with the WWE for you know having the guts to take the new technology and the new media available and apply it to wrestling. Nate, you're absolutely right. And if you think about it, that was a huge risk because all the revenue that they were getting from the cable companies for their pay-per-views, he basically, starting his own network, he went to war against those same cable companies because the way it worked was on pay-per-views, the cable companies got 50% of the revenue. I mean, it was a sweetheart deal for them. They got 50% of the revenue. Vince got the other 50%, but Vince was responsible for all the production costs. And he kind of said, wait a minute, I'm footing the complete bill, and I'm only getting half my return. So remember when they first came out with the network, some of the smaller cable companies wouldn't carry the pay-per-views. So that was a huge risk on Vince's part. Because if that had fallen flat, but again, he had the, the financial resources to, to carry it out for a couple of years. But if that had fallen flat and he had gone back, the big cable companies could have said, yeah, we'll carry your pay-per-views again. But, uh, oh, uh, we're getting 65% of the revenue. And he would have had no choice. So that was another huge, huge gamble. And you guys are – I think – a lot of people don't realize the, the financial risk he took in that because he basically alienated the people that were keeping him alive. Mm. Of course, I, I want mean, to ask the, now. The, 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 the network is, is doing really, really well. And, you know, I think they were smart to, to drop the price. I mean, it doesn't have the power of pipe bomb radio, but, you know, it's up there. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might have asked you this question the last time. I don't recall, and forgive me on that, as time goes on, there's so many, uh, so many interviews, so little time. What can I say? Um, have you actually uh, considered maybe doing your own podcast at one point, Ken? Would that be something uh, that you'd ever want to consider at one point? You know, you've got the stories to tell, or even writing your own. Uh, never, uh, never really thought about it, or or you know looked into it. Um, you know, being a two-time guest on Pipe Bomb, it really doesn't get much better. So, <laughs> uh, but no, I've, I've never, um, and you know, even, and and I guess part of it, going way back, when I started doing the the interviews the best piece of advice i ever got was from blackjack lanza 
Um, mm. You know, I had just come in, started working in the AWA. I, I had television background, but that's when, you know, Gene left suddenly for WWF. <clears throat> so I was the guy mm. doing all the interviews. And it was Blackjack, and we worked together in the office and was a, a real confidant and a, a great friend. <clears throat> Told me two things. He said, you know, the best way to get yourself over, uh, you know, with both the, the boys and the fans. And I said, no, Jack, tell me. He said, don't ever try and get yourself over. Mm. And he said, don't try and beat Gene. Just you do it the way you think you should do it. And, in you know, Gene was more of a showman than I was. Uh, and I always tried to make it all about the, the talent and, and, you know, putting those guys over, you know, rather than me. Um, and, you know, I think there's uh, a lot of guys that kind of push themselves to, to get invited to the, these cons. And, um, you know, I've, I've never, you know, uh, been that way. Um, you know, like when you guys reached out and said, would you do this again? Said, I said, shoot, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd be honored. Um, so never really thought about, you know, doing um, my own. I mean, you know, the, the, the stress of hopefully just trying to finish in the top 15 again this year has been hard. <laughs> uh, well, I, I think, I think I, I've got a surefire way that, that you'll finish uh, top 15, if not top 10, uh, Killer Ken, because uh, I think last time we might have touched on it, but uh, it, it would have been really brief. Uh, but I, we, we couldn't let you go this time around without uh, – getting into your experience with Roller Jam a little bit, because uh, I, in addition to loving yeah. wrestling and, and, and combat sports, Roller Derby is something that's always been this fascination, this curiosity with me. And, and so when uh, Roller Jam uh, aired, that would have been, what, the, the late 90s, early two, uh, late 2000s, somewhere in there? Somewhere, late 90s, early 2000s, yeah. Late 90s, early 2000s, yeah. When when Roller Jam came on, it was, uh, first of all, I was just kind of hooked by the, the gimmick of Roller Derby itself, but then to have Killer Ken as part of the team, uh, what what was that experience like? Um, I loved it. I, I really did. Uh, we taped all the, the shows at Universal Studios in Orlando, and let me tell you, as we touched on earlier, if you can pick up a gig that will take you from Minnesota to Orlando in the wintertime every month, that is oh, not yeah. a problem. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it was great. Uh, Were you uh, shaping that show in the same space that uh, they do Impact at now? Um, I, I don't know if it was the exact sound stage, but it was one of them, you know, back there. Because like Impact, um, on the weekends, the show was like one of the attractions at Universal Studios. Okay. So, you know, the same, you know, backstage lot where, where they tape is where we tape. Um, and, and it was great. Um, and they did the, the first year um, treating it, you know, in the broadcast and all the action, like it was a legitimate 
athletic event that, you know, it, it was real and, and that's how it was. Uh, and then right towards the end of that year, um, the powers-to-be changed executive producers. Um, mm. So the exec that hired me that I really, really liked working with um, was gone, and they brought in a, a new writer, producer. He had been there as a writer, but if you remember, he changed the, the second year they just made it so bizarre that it was really no longer uh, about looking like it was an athletic contest. It, it was. Yeah, it was. It was almost like they were trying to do pro wrestling, but but not understanding what makes wrestling wrestling. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you're you're dead on the money. It, it became. So bizarre, and a lot of the people I liked were were leaving. That it was just my choice. I said, if you're going to do this, you know, I, I loved it the way, but you know, you, thanks, but but no thanks, uh, <clears throat> because in that first season, I mean, certainly now it's no big deal. Um, you know, the the everything was kind of predetermined. <laughs> you know, how the games were going to go and, and everything else. But the, the skaters and the, the skill they had, and, I mean, the the one thing that, I mean, some of the, the hits and bumps they were taking, I mean, we had a lot of them get, get hurt. And, I mean, it, it was great and doing really, really well. And why they took that turn uh, to this day, you know, I, I don't, understand uh and i think if they had kept it you know as they did uh it it would have gone on for a long time and then when i left then they tried to move it to las vegas and kind of do the the same you know pro wrestling stick um and you know when you go to Vegas, when you're competing with all those huge shows at every hotel, you're just going to kind of get lost um, mm-hmm. on on a regular basis. And you know, it, it had the one more season, and and then you know went went away. Um, but Nate, if you're a longtime uh, roller derby guy, in fact, we still stay in touch. Somebody that I just loved. I, I, I love the man, love to, to work with, and we spent um, so much time together with Buddy Atkinson Jr., who was ah, you know, yes, one, yes. One, one of the, the, the big stars uh, of roller derby. In fact, as we were kind of going through before the first broadcast, you know, we did it live to, to tape, you know, rehearsing things. I mean, I, I, I had watched a little roller derby and, you know, had a basic understanding of the game, but not where I felt confident enough. And, you know, Buddy was there training the skaters and working, and we had met a, a little bit. And I finally went up to him, and I said, Buddy, do you have a few minutes? And he said, sure, what can I do? 
I said, you need to teach me this game. I, I, I just I don't mm. understand it enough where I think I can convey what's happening. And from that point, we would spend just hours together, and, and he imparted so much wisdom on me and the, the thought process uh, of, of the game that uh, it got to a point, we used to go up to Knoxville, Tennessee, to do post-production. One of the other stranger okay. things that I, I, I never understood where, where Universal Studios, would ha- which has the most advanced <laughs> post-production facilities of all time, and they would fly up to Knoxville to do it. Um, <laughs> but it was great when, if you remember, about halfway through the season, Buddy kind of joined... Uh, the the broadcast, you know, and, and, yes. and would be there. Well, at night, we would go back to the, the Holiday Inn in Knoxville, and they had this really nice courtyard area where Buddy and I would, would grab a drink, and just the two of us would go out and sometimes spend two, three hours, just the two of us, sitting and talking about everything and nothing, but it was still some of my <laughs> favorite memories. Uh, mm. He and his wife Drew are just just the absolute best. Yeah, Felix, I'm telling you, man, like that first season of uh, Roller Jam, I, I want to say it was uh, Ken and uh, Hawk from American Gladiators. They were they were the commentary team. Yep. Uh, in, oh in fact, um, it was sad and sunny, uh, but Hawk I think passed away about uh, almost a year ago. Yeah, wow. yeah. So who to figure well, that still? I, I I would still be above yeah. ground at this hour. <laughs> but you know I, what? Though? I You're a fighter, after, Ken. Dang, you ain't going anywhere. I, I was going to say <laughs> after doing after being able to do pipe bomb for for a second time with Felix and Nate, it it's all downhill from here, man. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I gotta ask now. Any, 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 uh, any final words in this case? I know we've we've kept you on here for quite some time, and I definitely don't want to, you know, have you be on here longer than you need to be. If you don't, you know, I'm sure you got better things to do at this point. Like I don't think it's all downhill from here. I can assure you. Wait a minute. Better. What could be better than being able to visit with you two? I I I, I have no oh, idea what you could be referring to. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I well, I, you know, I I always in, in, enjoy it, and I'm glad you reached out. And um, hopefully, um, when you edit it, we we won't board your listeners too much. Not at all, not at all, because we do we do have those that uh, like Nate and I like to listen, that sit at the learning tree and just kind of listen to some stories as we have. Listen to uh, what it was, what you know, what the environment was like back in those days. As we watched as fans and didn't have any idea about these characters that we grew up watching and, and knew nothing about, and even for the Roller Jam fans that didn't know anything about that at that point in time when they were watching, <laughs> you know, we offered a little bit for each uh, different types of fans that we have. So I don't see boredom being an issue for sure. I can assure you. And, and I still got it every, every every once in a while. If I'm heading out, I've got I still got a couple of roller jam ball caps and and t-shirts. Every once in a while, I I throw on. Um, <laughs> there you go. In, in fact, um, and 
obviously you'll edit. So uh, this part, you know what, um, Felix, uh, message me your email, and I'll email mm-hmm. you um, that photo I was talking about with Sherry. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And you can probably, you know, share it with uh, Jared. But it, it's uh, that that was one of my, and again, it's one of my treasured, uh, yeah, I've got a lot of them, but uh, that's one whenever I come across. Uh, I, I, I think of that night you can, I'll email it to you. You can see Nick just laughing in the background, having no idea what's going on. <laughs> well, you know, I can tell you, I can tell you this. If, you know, the day happens and maybe, maybe down the line, maybe it will. We don't know what the future holds. None of us really do. If the WWE Hall of Fame doesn't come knocking, I do believe the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame would be the more respectable choice to go with because I believe they would uh, they would continue to honor the name of uh, Killer Ken Resnick way beyond. And once we're all gone and off this earth, uh, long down the line, <laughs> and have memorabilia. Because as I was telling, to, uh, telling Nate some time ago, the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame had reached out uh, in regards to China, who was a close friend of mine, in regards to having her memorabilia in their in their auditorium, there in their in their Hall of Fame, where you know she won the Intercontinental Title, you know, and I think that that same thing could be done for your instance because I think it's a more respectable Hall of Fame, like more where people would actually flock to go and see and be, look back and remember, you know, Ken interviewing uh, Bobby Heenan and Nick Bockwinkel or. Bob, uh, Ken uh, interviewing Hulk Hogan or what have you, uh, mm. and realize you, you are you are a part of history. Whether the WWE would want to acknowledge it or not, I'm not putting words in anybody's mouth, but I think a Hall of Fame bound for Ken Resnick has to happen. Well, I, I I I appreciate it, Felix. That's that's very very uh, nice of you to say, and um, as much as you've been around and and done for the business. Um, I'm I'm honored just to to have you uh, feel that way. That's very very nice of you to say. I'm not alone in feeling that. I'm pretty sure my partner in crime here feels that way too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. To me, and I think it's, well, it's yeah. But Nate only feels that way because I owe him money. <laughs> I'm still waiting on that check. I'm, I'm still waiting on the check. I know the mail system getting from uh, Minnesota to Virginia. It might take a little while, but it, it's okay. You just keep believing that, bud. Checks in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, somebody, somebody used to tell me, a uh, guy I used to work with used to tell me, as long as I owe you money, you'll never go broke. So, <laughs> Oh my God! Uh, when you were uh, uh, one other one, I don't think we 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 talked about uh, when you mentioned all the interviews. Uh, the other one that people asked me about—I I don't know if you ever saw the, the 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 one with the Road Warriors with Animal and Hawk and the drumstick. <laughs> um, but that was kind of a. Uh, that was kind of a down-low interview we did just for, for Winnipeg uh, that actually Vern never knew about. <laughs> um, oh, God. But we did do one, uh, an AWA, and, and I never had it, and I, I don't know how somebody got a hold of it, but somebody actually sent me the photo. Uh, I was doing an interview with Nick and Bobby, and mm. I know this was one they came up with. They just didn't include me in on the gimmick. Uh, 
Nick was going to be wrestling Vern. And his big argument was the fact that, you know, his sleeper was legitimate, but the Ganya sleeper was a chokehold. <laughs> and going on and on, and it should be banned, and there we're going back and forth in the interview. <laughs> and Bobby goes, hey, hey, here, hold, let, me, let me hold the mic for a minute. And he kind of takes the mic, and he goes, you know, Nick, why don't you show him the difference? And literally, <laughs> there's a picture of Nick clamping the sleeper on me, Bobby holding the mic with this Cheshire cat grin on his face where you just knew that Bobby had come up with that idea. <laughs> and and this, talking about it, that it, and literally Nick held it just long enough where I got a little lightheaded and he could feel it and then he let it go. But oh, wow. you, could, you can see the picture of Bobby just grinning from ear to ear where I just know that Bobby put Nick up to it. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> mm. So oh, those are, those are my, my, my favorite stories. And the other story I'm sticking to is like I said, Nate checks in the mail, bud. <laughs> I, I, I certainly uh, appreciate that. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering, uh, real quick, uh, before we let you go, sir, do you, do you have uh, any events upcoming, or, or uh, are you out there on social media for the for the listeners if they want to get in touch with the one and only Killer Ken Resnick? Uh, you know, even on I, the people, I, I'm not on Twitter because people have asked me, and I said I'm just not that interesting. Uh, just you know, on on. <laughs> Uh, Facebook. Um, the the hey, well, anybody can tweet nowadays, can even even the president. Anybody can tweet. Please don't put me in that category. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, you know, I'm I I I I I guess with some of his, you know. Huge supporters. I'm probably in trouble because I said I watch Monday Night Football. You know, so don't don't get me in that fight. <laughs> but you definitely oh, are you're on, on Facebook, Facebook for those who don't know. Yeah. Say, say what? You're on a Facebook. Ahead, Nate, what were you yep. Oh no. Yep. Now, that's how Felix gets a hold of me. <clears throat> yes, sir. I thought, I thought he just sent out a carrier pigeon. Just uh... <laughs> Well, no, Nate, he, 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 Felix get, gets a hold of me through Facebook because whenever I get his collect calls, I don't accept them. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think collect calls existed anymore, but I guess I found a way. <laughs> yeah, 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 I mean, you know. I I I've all when I when I turn it down I, I I hear the quarter going in the slot so I don't know where he still found that paper. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Felix is a busy man. I mean, between doing this show and 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 spending uh 23 hours out of the day in the gym, uh, he's 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 a hard man to reach. Well, I mean, I I I followed it, and I'm sure you have. That's why I said, you know, I was a little concerned because everybody said not only is is Felix much leaner, but he's gotten meaner, you know. So I was a little concerned about doing this. But. <laughs> well, 
No, I don't know about meaner, but definitely uh, <laughs> grounded and more well-centered. Um, I know more about life than I did maybe 20 years ago, but, you know. <laughs> I, 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 I think, Felix, we can all say that. And as to whether that's good news or bad news, I guess we'll leave that on each this individual. True. This is true. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um, on the other hand, though, I, I can tell you this much. Uh, you are more than welcome to join us anytime in the future, whether you're on as a guest Heck, we might even have you come on as a guest co-host at one time. If Nate can't make the he can't make the make the show, we'll have to have you take his place one day, maybe. Uh, <laughs> because Nate's been known to be fashionably late from time to time, you know. Yeah, but boy, you talk about some big shoes to fill. Whoa, I don't know. <laughs> well, well, yeah. If anybody can definitely keep up with Nate, it would definitely be you. Well, I, I Felix, I, I appreciate it very much. And uh, like last time, it, it was. Uh, a lot of fun, and I, I certainly enjoyed uh, visiting with you both. Likewise, likewise. Oh, and yes. definitely, oh, I will definitely stay in touch, like, and I sent you an email as well. Oh, okay. I sent you my email address on Messenger. I had to let the people at work know. They, they, they tried to hold me an extra 20, 30 minutes. So, hey, I got, I, I got the legend on the line. I can't stay. I got to go, <laughs> go talk to Killer Ken. Well, if you get a chance, when you, you get go. it edited, then... Send me a, a a link to my page and I so I can listen to it. Absolutely, of course. Well, and definitely. Anytime, do. I, you take I mean, care of yourself. And, and the same to both of you and you guys. You know, anytime you need anything, you guys got my number, so feel free. You got it. Awesome. All, All right, right Nate. You have you yourself a great day. Care. Nate Felix, be good. All right, you too. Okay. You Thank too. you so much, sir. Love take care. Bye. All right, bye-bye. All right. The one and only Killer Ken hey. Resnick. <laughs> I believe he doesn't get enough credit for the things he's done in his career, and I do I do believe it. I mean, you know, maybe WWE may never call. May, maybe they won't because there are so many, so many names that are still not being called into their Hall of Fame, yeah. which is why I suggested the pro wrestling one in, 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 I believe it's in Wichita Falls, Kansas, or not Kansas. No, no. no. It's in Texas. Excuse me, why did I say Kansas? Yes, it's Anyways, Texas. It's in Texas at the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, which I knew about, which obviously because I was talking about with, with the issue with China. I know that they were going to put her in at one point. I'm not sure if they still have or not, but uh, irrelevant. I think uh, Ken definitely deserves his own little area for people to go back and look and remember he was, you know, clearly, you know, every announcer has their own persona. You know, you look at Bobby, you look at Gorilla, you look at Vince, you look at Jesse, you look at uh, Shivani, you look at uh, Gene Okerlund. You know, everybody was their own person. And one thing Ken was mentioning is that he was he his advice that he was given by Blackjack Lanza: don't be anybody else but yourself. And that's definitely, I believe, yeah. what he stayed true to. You know, whether fans remember him or not, there are those that did grow up during that time who still remember him. And I think he absolutely don't get, doesn't get the appreciation he the recognition he he truly deserves. Yeah, I mean, you, you think lot. about uh, Killer Killer King. Yeah, he's done so much, and you know he's he's one of these guys that kind of came came around right before the big boom, and he was a part mm-hmm. of the boom 
but you know he was doing so much when you talk about his work in the 70s and in the early 80s and and then the boom happened and with Hulkamania and everything and you know sometimes people like a, uh Ken Resnick or people like Lance Russell who recently passed a longtime announcer in Memphis like these great talents kind of get forgotten because the history of wrestling kind of becomes the history of the WWF and the WWE and you know the winners in every war get to tell the tale, get to write the history books. And so, you know, somebody like a Ken Resnick might not get the, the, the proper credit, get the proper due. And, and uh, so it's, it was cool talking to Ken last time and then even more uh, being able to speak to him this week, man, and catching up with him. And, you know, for the, for the listeners out there that may be a little bit younger than you or I, Felix, uh, you know, do yourself a favor. Go, mm-hmm. go check out uh, some of Ken's work. You know, I'm sure you can, you can find it up on the network and, and, and see, you know, exactly why, he was, in my opinion, one of the best announcers because he, to me, Ken Resnick, what made him so good, Felix, was he was always professional. Like, he always felt like a a professional news band. You know what I mean? Like like a Tom Brokaw, Peter Jennings, or somebody like that, Dan Rather. Like, somebody you could trust because they did their homework. And, and uh, you know, so that's, that's why I was always a fan of Ken Resnick. Not just for wrestling, but uh, for the roller jam, as we talked about this week. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah. You know, just even if they even had a roller gem Hall of Fame, I'm not sure because I know roller derby, the whole roller thing. I know it was definitely big. It was big in its heyday, and it still tries to you know sporadically make its comebacks throughout the years. As I have seen it, it's another thing that I don't know people really truly. I don't want to say they don't get into, but at the same time, it's like I don't know if they feel like it's so much more about what the producers want, not the producers, the uh, the uh, what the hell are they called the. Uh, were the ones that uh, the the sponsors. That's what it is. If they the people yeah. like the, they put these commercials up, sponsors, and if it's they, what they feel is going to be good for each genre, each era that comes up over the, the the last several decades. And like you said, it was it was big in the late '80s, early '90s. Uh, it, I I even seen it pop up in in the 2000s at one point or another. So it does have its moments when it's popular, and then it kind of disappears for a while, and then it'll come back again. And it's like, well. I think they need to get the recognition and maybe have their own little, dare I say, maybe their own little Hall of Fame at one point down the line. Why not? I mean, there's a Hall of Fame for everything now these days. Why not? <laughs> so so is there any truth, Felix, uh, to the rumor that, uh, that? you're going to be joining, the, the rumors that you're going to be joining a local roller derby team as uh, El Diablo? Oh, Jesus. Really? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 I uh, you got me stumbling over my words. I don't even know what to say to that. When's, when's the last? When's the last time you been on was... roller skates, Felix? Because I know for me it's been oh, probably Lord. like close to a decade. Lord, oh Lord, that's all I got to say. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think. It's been at least. Let me see. It's been about no. I went on them one time. My God, and those were back when the they had the four wheels on the damn the, the, the oh, skates. Oh, the old school, thinking, the quad oh, God, I'm fall. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, that's taking it back to the '90s, maybe. It's been it's been a while. I tried to get on some for my niece's birthday, but I was like, no. I said, hey, uh, no, this is not going to work. I'm not, I'm much bigger now, and it's going to hurt when I fall. So, no. <laughs> but yes, when I was younger, I would do these things, and I remember back in the day, the skating thing was the thing was just to skate around 
and, and it just you hear the good music and then they do the couple yeah. skates and then like I had to get off the floor because I wasn't with anybody. Or you just get on there with uh, my, my cousins <laughs> or my nieces or what have, what have you. Stop it. <laughs> you just skate around by it, yourself it, and all by myself. <laughs> did you? you wow. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, you're missing out, pal. You're missing out. Yeah, yeah. We had a warrior missed a good show this week. He did, he did. He he was one that I specifically wanted to be here. Not that he didn't know who he was, but to get an old school education. And I think if anything, he respects that because he's still so new to to the pro wrestling world. And if you're not willing to learn, you shouldn't be in the wrestling business. But, I mean, he's definitely willing to learn, listen, listen, hear some stories. And I really dug the stories of Bobby and, and, and Sherry as they are two of my favorite people that I, I, although I didn't, like I said, I didn't get to meet Sherry per se, but I was there at her Hall of Fame induction in, in, in Chicago. And nothing but the, the sweetest things I've heard about her. Amazing, amazing, amazing woman with a heart of gold and totally different from her character away from, away from TV. But she was a woman in an era where women were looked at more as sex objects than, you know, the, the eye candy than to be taken yeah. seriously. And she was a wrestler. She was she was a manager. She she half the time she would be stripped down to her skibbies just because that's what they wanted. That's what they thought people <laughs> wanted to see. You know, it is what it was. And that was the times back then. But you know, she took it like a champ. She she went in there and she made, put people over like like nobody else could. Like even the yep. stories of uh, Sapphire, sweet Sapphire, couldn't wrestle to save her <laughs> life, but she made it look like a million bucks. Yep. But um, and then there's Bobby, of course, and I know he probably could have gone on and on and on, and I think we probably could have gone on and on and on and on, because at this point I don't think Ken. That's why I said he needs to have his own outlet to 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 tell these stories and to to look back and remember his his career, which was definitely something that not many people can say they've done. You know, whether it be a, a book or whether it be a, a, what do you call it, a, a podcast, or whether it be yeah. a traveling to these cons because truth be told or a WrestleCon or WrestleCade, whatever the case, because everybody shows up to these things. Why wouldn't he be able to, he was a part yeah. of a, a, an era, a company that was on top of the world beating WWE for a while. Yeah. And I, I would say to all the uh, people, for, you know, getting ready for the conventions for next year for, for 2018, like, Definitely yeah. send a, send a uh, request out to Killer Ken because I think you know he's somebody like you said, man. One of the things he learned from Blackjack is you know you you don't try to get yourself over, you know you you don't try to put yourself over at the expense of the talent. And I st- I think that's just the way he is. Like he's not gonna be one of these dudes that's out here you know self promoting. So uh, you know if, if you're somebody that's yeah. uh, listening to this show right now and and you know you you either. Uh, organize a convention or you know people that organize conventions, let them know, man. Killer Ken is somebody that, that would be a great guest to have at one of these events. Absolutely. And I do want to go off on a side note real quick. As I've been kind of reach uh, one guy has been reaching out to me for the last couple of months, you know, poking in the prodding and, and, and seeing what I'm going to do. And well, let's just say his alter ego was uh, the bane of Austin's existence. <laughs> and yes, you know who I'm talking about, Nate. Uh, when it comes to the Halloween special coming up, we do have a Halloween show we like to we try to do. 
you know, we try to make the best of it considering it falls on a Tuesday, and it really does. And, two, you know, wait, what is today, the 10th? Um, technically, we wouldn't do a show until the 24th. But what I'm thinking, if we do another show on the 17th, we can push it out to do another show again and then on, come the back on the 31st. Yeah, 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 we can do that. But technically, we unless we unless we are gone uh, for the three weeks, and and, and I'll, I'll, we'll discuss it with uh, I'll discuss it with Alex too and see what he wants to do because I, I I think if anything we can come back on next week and have Alex on and and touch on uh, No Mercy, not No Mercy. What am I just saying? Talk about talk about Hell in the Cell and talk about the upcoming Cell, yep. Oscar debut. DLC. And Asuka, I don't know if, they, if Emma's the right choice to be putting up against her, but we'll save that discussion for another time. As well and as I, I'm, I'm sure you've got like, uh, I'm sure you, I'm sure you've got 30 minutes to spend talking about Sister Abigail. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bray Wyatt. Uh, well, Bray Wyatt, poor, poor hmm. Bray Wyatt. I don't even know what to say to that. I have a feeling they don't gonna, know what to uh, say Felix, because Felix, I, I have a feeling they're gonna make this man come out in a dress. I have a feeling. If they made if they made uh, Santino Morella become Santina, this would <laughs> surprise me. Bray's gonna and be the in thing a dress. Is, is that Bray, they're, they're, they're abusing his, this man's talent, and it's so disgusting to watch because. Oh Jesus! And I have a feeling you 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 couldn't be more correct on that instance that the sister Abigail would be just a, an alter ego of Bray Wyatt. <laughs> oh oh man! <laughs> and the thing, you know, I will touch on this because I know we got a few minutes left, and then I got to hit the hit the gym because I got a training session coming up in about a less than an hour. So, what I was going to touch on, we got I, I think we got about five or ten minutes we can kill. Um, was the whole Shield reunion? I don't. I, I wasn't as excited for it. I wasn't. And here's the thing: they didn't need it. They really. And, and, and the thing that I think what I saw more out of this reason for the reunion was because clearly Dean, Seth, and Roman have done their own thing. Roman is still struggling to get over. He's still struggling to get to be a believable. Uh, Top guy, Seth has proven he's a top guy. Dean, not so much. Mm. Roman, yeah, he, yeah. He, he, he's drowning. <laughs> he's drowning. And this reunion, yeah, I think makes it's him for anybody like the two guys. Uh, the the two guys that this helps the most, in my opinion, Felix, are Dean and Roman because Seth, like you said, Seth, Seth's already been you know a, a, a WrestleMania main eventer. He's somebody that the fans can believe in. He's somebody that's you know the cover boy. Uh, on these video games, like Seth is a guy that has credibility. Dean and Roman, to me, while mm-hmm. you know they, they they're great talents, I don't think the fans buy into them 100 percent yet. No, and if clearly after beating the Undertaker and beating uh, Brock Lesnar and beating John Cena, yeah. at this point it, it hasn't helped. It hasn't helped. It it it, ha- it hasn't helped. And Roman is 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 this kind of he beat Triple H like flopping. how many people? Yeah, he he beat the Miz by DQ, but he did. <laughs> and that's what I said. This and then they're putting him up against him against the Miz and and Sheamus and Cesaro. 
I mean, I clearly know this is going to be the main event of the show, but because it's a raw show. But yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm just not feeling this reunion. They're, I think they're going to milk it for all they can this time around, and see where they can go with it. And if they de- if they end up making it to WrestleMania as a Shield, it's going to be disappointing. I'm sorry. This the reunion does not need to happen for a very very long period of time. Clearly, not two years like it was the last time. Because there's just no I, need I, for I, it. I mean, I factions come and go. I, I think. Yeah, I think this is something that it might go up through WrestleMania, but then I think shortly thereafter, Roman's going to go back to doing his own thing, and you're probably going to have Dean turn on Seth, you know, to kind of reverse what they did the last time. I actually think that maybe Roman will be the one to split away, and, and finally, if they actually don't put him as a top guy, he splits away and, be, and becomes the one that is the number one bad guy in the company. If they can pull it off... Well, I mean, he- he should have be been. He should have been the number. He, like after WrestleMania last year, he should or, or this year, he yeah. should have been the number one bad guy. And that night after WrestleMania is still to me one of the best promos Roman's ever done. Just playing with the crowd, but for whatever reason, the company wants this guy to be the next John Cena, and he Roman's great. Like I think Roman has plenty of talent. It's just. How do you present him and trying to force him into being the new John Cena? It's not going to work. It's, it's going to fail. By the way, I just got an email from Ken Resnick, and he sent me the freaking the, the, the picture of him patting down Sherry. He sent me one of uh, Bobby just clapping as Nick had him in a headlock. And then he said he's got one of the Roller Jam girls for you. Ah, <laughs> him, in the, him right in the middle of right in the middle of the, all the girls right there in their in their bikinis and their bathing suits, and he said, "That's for Nate." I said, "Oh my God, Nate's gonna love this." Nice. <laughs> God bless you, killer like, kid. You didn't forget about us. <laughs> <laughs> but that's definitely you know, the whole yeah the whole thing with Kenya. Yeah, he's definitely somebody. If he don't, if he don't get somebody to get him to with these, these cons, I'm telling you, I think Pipe Bomb Radio might have to just be the one who represents him and has him at a stand there in, in at WrestleCon in in uh, Nolens in Nolens next year. So I'm telling you, because you, we we you know we we live like this. There's been some talk, man, about the the the, the not the Shield reforming, but Pipe Bomb Radio forming at uh, at WrestleMania. So we you know we if 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 we can get the stars aligned, we we and and uh, we can reach out to Killer Ken. I think that'd be fun. I think it would be too and you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that ends up happening if we see a few people for a blast from the past if you will make an appearance on the show. And I won't make mm. any hints at it, but you know, he was also the bane of uh Saul Rosenberg's existence. Yes, that's who I was talking about because he lives out there. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see old Austin pop in and say, "What's up, guys? How you doing? I'm back." This you know, Timmy, show has been plumbing Timmy without Newtron. me. You know? <laughs> right? But he's also been one embracing fitness himself, and I'm pretty sure he's doing good things too. So I haven't talked to him in a while, though. That's um, all things considered. Leading into TLC. I want to see where it goes. I want to see how they put these guys in there and they build these matches up for, for not only Oscar's debut, but uh, the tag team titles, uh, the IC title. If they, no, no, it's not even going to be on the line. Uh, and these are theme type pay-per-views, the TLC. Obviously they got the tables, ladders and chairs for the main event. Is there going to be a chairs yeah. match? Is there going to be a tables match? Is there going to be a ladders match? 
Maybe they put that in there for the mm. women's match or something. They have the 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 women's title match. I don't know. I think they, they haven't chosen a stipulation for Mickey and, and Alexa just yet. Oh, I won't. No. I won't mention Alexa because I know that's Alex's girl. But <laughs> oh, biscuit butt. Maybe the, oh, biscuit uh, maybe, butt. Come on down. Oh, oh, biscuit butt. <laughs> that was that was amazing. Hashtag biscuit butt. Mickey's the best. But uh, right. Maybe the latter match will be for uh for the cruiserweight since we have a new champ. Oh, you know, I think that's true. Enzo might invoke his uh, rematch clause, and uh, he'll be the realest guy in the room. How you doing? You know, whatever. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not. I'm not from that, that the East Coast. So I can't do that. How you doing? Kind of thing. Yeah, that, that, was, that wasn't that wasn't great, Felix. That was, uh, <laughs> no, no. I'm West Coast. I'm West Coast, and I'm uh, I'm not. Uh, yeah. I'll leave that to you, and I'll leave that to Alex. So, you know, get your yeah, you can't do the how you do it. You can do like the uh, the, the Conan, the Orale, Arriba La Raza. Well, we did have uh, Eddie Guerrero's birthday yesterday, so. Yes, he would have been, uh, what, 50? 50 years old. Man. Man, the myth, the legend. He was definitely missed. Yes, one of the greatest of That's all right. time. Absolutely. But, um, you know, I think we are going to come back next week, do a little recap and uh, review and uh, talk with Alex and see what he's been up to and, you know, do, get a little more insight on what to do with uh, the, the the Halloween show. I am tempted to see about maybe inviting uh, Pat to come on the show and discuss some ideas with us before we head into yeah. the Halloween show because he definitely he, – I have invited him to come on to the Halloween show on the 31st as it seems to have been like almost a, a tradition now that we've had him on, I think, what, the last two years for Halloween? Yeah. Been, at least a year, for sure. But I'm not, I'm not sure. This will be the second year, maybe. But um, more fun to come in October, for sure. But uh, I think I'm going to go ahead and uh, end it on that note and say we will be back next week. We have more to talk about. In the meantime, we'll go ahead and uh, end the show as we normally do behalf of Nate and myself, and we want to thank our special guest coming in and joining us for a very special time for the show, Killer Ken Resnick. And Ken, thanks for the photos. I will be sending it out to Nate. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. I'm not sure yet. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, but uh, thanks, Ken, for always being always being a gentleman. And uh, a uh, we learned a lot from sitting at your learning tree, sir, so we thank you for that. In the meantime... Keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. All right, guys. And, uh, Nate, I will be talking to you real soon, man. Sounds good, El Diablo. Oh, stop it. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.